Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ty Roxon. Glad to be here with you again. We have a two-timer today. Today is Callum Lang. And some of you might remember if you've been following me from the beginning, Callum it was episode 53 in April 14, 2015. So that's over three years ago. And he's, uh, he's an individual who has built several businesses across Asia. But today we were talking about how to go from idea to IPO. You know, and the, uh, we dove into the philosophies of partnerships and this concept called agglomeration. You know, what exactly uh, is agglomeration and the three ways that you can emphasize and sort of leverage the benefits of, I guess, agglomeration. And he dives into why collaboration is important, why trust is important, and the importance of speed. Definitely check it out, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to have more economies of scale. Hope you enjoy it. Please let me know if you have any other questions. I'm working on creating worksheets for some of these episodes. So in the following episodes, if you um, reach out to me or let me know that you want a worksheet on a particular episode, um, I'll do my best to get that to you. Okay. All right. Love you all. Enjoy the episode. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's episode is with Callum Lang. And if you recognize that name, it's because he's been on the show before, in the very, very, very early days, rather. We were remarking about that, and a lot has happened in both of our worlds since we, we started the podcast. But if you need a refresher, Callum is a New Zealander based in Singapore and is widely connected. He's published more than 500 of his own interviews with business leaders around the region on the platform AsianEntrepreneur.org. Naturally, this gives him an extensive social media following, mainly on LinkedIn, but also including nearly 100,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is this concept of um, how to agglomerate, how to go from an idea to IPO in 12 months, how to really work in, in, in a system that levels the, the playing field between small, medium-sized businesses and uh, large enterprises. So welcome to the show. Actually, welcome back to the show, Kel. 
Yeah, thanks, man. It's uh, yeah. So we were just saying it's uh, t- probably two, two or three years now since mm-hmm. uh, since we first spoke. So yeah, yeah look, looking forward to being being back on the show. Thank you, thank you so much. It's it, it's funny you you remarked about how a lot of podcasts probably you, know, you start fast and then they flame out quickly. And I think the point that you were trying to hit on there is the consistency of all that. And I can say the same thing about your business. You've been consistent with what you what you've done. I mean, your network is 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 grown substantially since we talked. And I feel like you're like the the, the king of Asia. <laughs> and then and you got to tell me how how what has happened since then how did you grow your network because you were building this platform called you know asian entrepreneur.org what have you turned that into since we talked yeah so i mean obviously my, my career was going nowhere in, until our podcast and then once <laughs> i appeared on your podcast everything grew, <laughs> grew from there <laughs> that's not true um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but, but you're right. Consistency is a, a huge thing, and 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 it was it was a, a hats off to you for um, you know continuing to deliver value week after week to to your listeners through this. And and I know how difficult that that is. So I've been running um, since since before we spoke uh, this daily interview series of. Um, just just shining a light on entrepreneurs and leaders in in Asia that are doing cool stuff, and so there's this daily interview um, series that that's been running. And you know, I uh, uh, unlike yourself, who has to be very present for these interviews, my um, I, I kind of have a lot of other things going on in my world, so I, I broke that interview process down into into bits and systemized it, and I've got virtual assistants that, that basically do do most of the stuff. So it's not too much of uh, a drain on my time, but there's also uh, definitely times that you go through when you go, yeah, why am I doing this? Yeah, there's a lot of time and effort. Mm. Um but but actually, if you the 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 consistency really adds up, and and yeah, on on the back of doing that, uh, it's created so many opportunities, um, not just for me, but also for for like everyone in in my network. Um, we've recently just uh, replicated that idea of the daily interview um, series and and running it with inter- uh, with investors because one thing that's fairly consistent across entrepreneurs is. Um, they want to better understand how to uh, attract and utilize uh, investor capital to, to scale. Um, and actually, it's quite difficult to sort of get um, get to know investors and get to know what they're thinking if you're just living in the entrepreneurial space. So um, we've basically taken the, the Callum Connects idea of daily interviews and, and now applied that to angel investors to private equity to venture caps all around the world and starting to feature daily interviews with those guys as well so wow. um yeah and and that's i mean that that's kind of a a little side project um uh for me it's the 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 core business uh for myself is running a, a private equity firm that we we have here and and bringing together small businesses and and um Helping them to to leverage off the the capital markets, which uh, which I'm sure we'll we'll get onto later. No, no, I love that. I love that. And so, as we try and get into this in this 
uh, flow of this interview, obviously you've done a lot with that. You figured out how to turn the interview things into um, something you also create for investors. Now, I, when your publicist reached out to me, I, w- I was saying this is it's such a funny story because he reached out to me, he pitched to you, and I was like, yeah, but you, you got to get Callan Lang on the show. And I was like, yeah, but he's, he's already been on the show. He was like, no, he's got this, this idea or this, this concept that he's really working with that I really feel like your audience would get from. And he said it's called agglomerate. And I was like, okay, well, sure, let's do this. But you're going to have to tell me what agglomerate is. And then he sent me this video where you were, you were interviewing and talked about it. And I was like, man, this is really, really fascinating. I've never really heard of this concept of bringing businesses together and, and stuff like that. So um, why don't you educate the audience so that their minds can be blown away as I was when, when uh, Luke sent it to me? Yeah, so, so it's it's really interesting. So I mean, as we spoke about um, three years ago, two three years ago, um, <laughs> that I I've been I've been an entrepreneur for twenty years. Um, so starting building, and then ultimately buying and, and selling small businesses, and, and mainly because nobody would give me a job. So <laughs> that was <laughs> all, all, all I could do. Uh, um, but one of the things that uh, myself and my business partner noticed was that amongst our peers, um, and, and just by kind of nature of being in the entrepreneurial space, you end up connecting with a lot of other on- entrepreneurs. And so our peer group was mainly made up of people in their 40s and 50s that had built successful small businesses. Um, but what was happening was they would kind of reach 5 million or 10 million in in revenue. Um, And to all outward appearances, they would seem very, very successful. But actually, when you're driving a business at that that size, um, it's actually quite difficult. Uh, It's quite a difficult space to be in because you've kind of got over all of the initial startup hurdles, but you face something that we call the scale paradox. So you're too small to go for the really big contracts. And because you can't get the really big contracts, you remain small. Um, you're, you're too small to attract really good senior staff. And because you can't attract really se- good senior staff, you can't move up to the, the next level. Um, and, and for a business owner, it's also a really frustrating place to be because if you're, you've built a $10 million business, you're creating a ton of value in the world. You're creating value for your clients. You've probably got a hundred plus staff that um, you know, are extracting value out of you and their families. You've got a whole ecosystem of suppliers and partners and landlords. All of these guys are extracting value from your business because you get up and go to work every day. Yet, actually, for the founder, for the owner of that business, it's really difficult to extract any money out of that that business for yourself um it's, it's uh, yeah as you know it's very easy to put small uh, put money into a small business but much 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 harder to get it back out um and so oftentimes what happens is these companies will end up selling themselves to a bigger player in the market and those deals are normally based on kind of like a three-year or a five-year earnout. um but it just never works for the entrepreneur because the problem with us entrepreneurs is we're not very good at being told what to do. So uh, if you make us an employee for three years, you can pretty much guarantee we're going to um, <laughs> clash. And, and uh, <laughs> more more often than not, you see the entrepreneur leave 
in the first year. Um, sometimes they're fired, sometimes they just leave in disgust, um, but they leave a huge amount of the deal value on the table because they haven't done that three-year earnout. Um, and so we, we just kept seeing this happen time and time again and um, within our network and with our friends. And, and so my business partner, Jeremy, said, look, yeah, there's got to be a, a smarter way to do this. What about if we created a publicly listed vehicle exclusively for the use of good entrepreneurs um, and they just swap their private stock for public stock but carry on running their business exactly as they were doing before? So it's still their brand. It's still their culture. It's still their hiring and firing. They still keep full control. But now when they go and pitch for business, they're a $200 million global PLC and not a $5 million local business when when they're trying to attract senior staff they've got you know real currency of stock that they can can create the packages with um you know they can even go out and do their own acquisitions with with this stock so it really gives a, a huge amount of more options for uh for entrepreneurs so that was the uh that was the, the theory um we, uh, as with all theories, we had to test it on the on the marketplace, um, and uh, we, so we've been doing that basically for the last couple of years. Um, had some successes, had some failures, um, got a lot of learning, but fundamentally, the core idea uh, has weathered really well, and and um, it really solves a major problem for for small businesses. And and I think one of the things. Um, uh, that my, my colleague Luke was probably was thinking about when he, when he contacted you is one of the issues that we've had to deal with, which is a, a topic very dear to your heart, is culture. Right, right. Because if, if you're bringing together 20 or 30 or 50 small businesses and they've each got their own culture, how do you get those businesses to play nicely together? Um uh, so, so we kind of we, we, we learned some interesting lessons uh, around that as well, which I'm happy to share. No, I'd be happy. I'd, I would love to learn more about those lessons because that's definitely something I'm interested in. Yeah, so I mean, it actually, uh, it started off for us. We, we sort of had uh, dual dual ideas in mind, um, and and they converged quite nicely. And, and basically, um, we were growing. Um, very fast in terms of the numbers of companies that we were adding into the group, but we were also growing very fast in terms of our own company uh, in order to support you know, the, the growth of, of that. Um, and one of the things that became apparent, both myself and, and my business partner, Jeremy, have been entrepreneurs for 20-plus years. Um, you know, you, you discover, you, you sort of find your own rhythm for how you do things, you, you figure out what works and what doesn't. Um, and, and a big part of our DNA or our value mm. was that entrepreneurial nature that we had. Now, when you're hiring a couple of people every week, um, how do you maintain that culture? And, and this is something that you know, every entrepreneur that scales goes through and, and every every business goes through how do you maintain a culture how do you change a culture how, how do you adapt a culture um so what what we did was we actually sat down and we said look can we build a 
a, uh, a template or a values, um, uh, a values model that would work for our company and also for the group of companies for the, for the agglomeration. And, and basically, we, we sat down and, and basically spent, spent a kind of a day with a whiteboard saying, like, what, what's everything that we've learned in, in 20 years? What, what are some of the, the mistakes that we constantly keep seeing? What are the things that irritate us about business? What are the things we like? Um, and, and ended up with a sort of a, a mass of pages and pages of, of notes and ideas and concepts. And, and gradually over the next... A few weeks and months, we refined that down in, into three key areas, um, and 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 these were the, the key areas that were um, ultimately became the value system that we drive our company with, but also um, that we put out to our our clients, the companies that we're bringing in, um, and we say, look, these are our values, and if you don't align with these values, we don't want to work with you because this is yeah, this is integral to to what we do, um, and and it's not they're, they're not right for for everyone. The you know I, I was thinking about in some of my other businesses that I'd worked in, uh, these values probably wouldn't have been spot on for them. But for for where we are, it works very very well. So the 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 three values that kind of drive everything that we do, um, the first one is trust. So, so for us, trust is a, a huge thing, and and when we work with our team, our, our own staff, um, we're very much of the belief that you you hire them to do a job, and you trust them to to do that job, and and that kind of demonstrates itself in things like, um, you know, we don't track what time people come into work, we don't track whether you know how much holiday they take or sick days. Um, because my view is, is I don't care as long as the work's getting done. Um, you know, if, if they work better at nighttime at home in bed, then great. Let them work at, at nighttime home in bed. It's, it, I don't mind as long as the, the work gets done. And, um, when we, when we grew, we sort of took on an HR manager and I remember having this, this conflict with her because she wanted to track um, holidays and I, and I said like you know we don't track when our staff work nights and weekends so why would we track when they want to take time off for holidays it's it, it makes no sense to me we've got to trust them um, and so trust became this this uh, uh, very kind of key area for us within our own company but it also within the group of companies you know fundamentally an agglomeration is like a collaborative IPO um, you need to be able to trust the other players uh, at the table, and and so the the nice thing for us is that we're only working with uh, successful, debt-free, profitable businesses where you know the the entrepreneurs have typically been in their business for ten or more years. Um, it's quite easy to trust these guys because as entrepreneurs ourselves. We know that they've got a, you know, they've sweated blood and tears to get the business to where it is. They're not likely to kind of destroy the business just to, you know, wind us up. <laughs> Yet, actually, if you look at most traditional mergers and acquisitions or most traditional private equity, it's all based on mistrust. So you have, you know, massive contracts that, that basically outline all the different ways that each party is going to try and rip each other off. 
Um, and we tend to go the other way and say, look, you know, we, we'll give you an awful lot of trust. Um, and, and actually. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What, what we find is, especially for entrepreneurs, you, you get better results um, when, you, when you give trust rather than when you take trust, when you give responsibility rather than when you take responsibility. Um, so that that was one of the, the the key values for us that that's been really uh, really instrumental. Um, so the yeah. second one is um, the second one uh, which you might find interesting when well, I'm sure has come up when you're consulting with with big companies is collaboration or a spirit of collaboration. Um, you know that the agglomeration is really about small companies collaborating to compete with with big companies. Yet the the nature of or sort of human nature is it's very um, easy to kind of get into a them and us mentality and kind of forget the bigger picture and, and stop collaborating and and um, when when it came to our company grow, growing one of the things that we hated with big companies was often you kind of get these divisions between um, departments so sort of you know. Sales is going out promising one thing and operations is furious because they have to deliver on it and all, all of that sort of stuff. And, and so this idea of collaboration, we, we talk about bringing your chair around to their side of the table. Um, so whenever you're kind of having a conversation, let's go around to their side of the table um, and figure out how we can get there together rather than um, uh, you know, it being a them and us or a confrontational type thing and, and just keep pulling back until you can see where both parties are, are going from and, and, and trying to get to that. And, and actually, uh, this, this is really useful in terms of um, in, in company, but also obviously when you bring together a group of small businesses, uh, there are so many opportunities for collaboration. There's so many ways that groups of small businesses can leverage off each other in terms of um, you know, uh, supply side deals or sharing staff or, or you know, um, uh, cross selling each other's products. So, um, so some really, really nice, uh, opportunities spring up when you, um, when you do that. One, one really interesting point though on, on collaboration yeah. with entrepreneurs yeah. is so we, um, we, we brought together like a group, group of entrepreneurs. Uh, for a couple of days brainstorming on, on ways that they could collaborate. Here was our very important learning. That is, is like 
Disneyland for, for entrepreneurs. So surround yourself with other great entrepreneurs, lots of whiteboards, figure out how you can all make money together. It's, it's so much fun. But nobody writes anything down. <laughs> so they all came in. They had two days of doing this fantastic whiteboarding and innovation. And then they all went out and got drunk together. <laughs> uh, and and <laughs> nobody had written anything down. Nobody did anything afterwards. Um, so what, what we learned is that, is that you've got to have a grown-up in the room. <laughs> right, that that helps. <laughs> Yeah. And actually, the other thing that we, we worked out quite quickly as well is, um, so the entrepreneurs will do all the brainstorming stuff, but actually it's much more valuable if you get the sales guys and the operation guys in, in a room together because they're the ones that will actually implement. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 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 really cool. Um, and the last one's kind of a little bit, um, uh, a little bit, different and it's it's velocity um so one of our uh one of our kind of beliefs when you peeled back everything that we'd sort of learned over the years is that um more often than not you're you miss opportunities because you don't move fast enough um and often you know one of the advantages that small businesses often have against big businesses is their ability to move quickly um, and there's a there's a danger whenever you scale a business of everything grinding to a halt um, and it's what what happens is that you end up hiring people that are more concerned about protecting their job and their job safety than they are about the the benefit of the company and, and so what happens is everything kind of grinds to a halt nobody wants to make a decision um, and you lose all of these opportunities. And so our concern was that if we had, um, as, as our company grew, but also as these groups of companies grow, you kind of end up doing death by committee on, on everything. So um, just constantly asking the question, how can we do this faster? Um, you know, the, the other problem that uh, a lot of us have is is wanting everything to be perfect before we release it. Um, and yet that's that's just kind of not how the world works. You need to get out there and and um, you know perfect is the enemy of great or whatever the the, the uh, expression is. but um, too many times it just you, everything gets delayed while you wait for a little bit more information or a little bit more um, you know just redo the website one more time before you publish it. Um, and actually our, our view is very much that that uh, you're much better uh, acting with speed and getting stuff out, and that's not to be—it's um, not to mean that you're you're careless. You still want to be doing the best work possible. Yeah. Um, but it's that you're constantly asking, how can we do this more efficiently, and how can we do this faster? Um, and so, yeah. So that that was um, the the three values, and and actually, what was interesting is it, that that whole conversation originally sort of started around. Um, building our own team and making sure that they kept that sort of entrepreneurial feel. Um, but we, we did realize it when we looked at it and when we looked at who are the employees that we really liked working with um, and who are the company owners that we really liked working with, they ticked those three boxes every time. Yeah, they, they were always looking to collaborate. We could trust them on, on anything that we were doing. 
and they moved quickly. They just got stuff done. Um, and so, so that sort of, it became a, uh, a template when, when we're talking to, uh, companies or future employees and say, look, yeah, if, if you don't feel that you stack up to this, then, then you, you're not going to be comfortable in this environment. Wow. So yeah, it was a, it was a worthwhile exercise. Definitely, no, and I love I love everything that you said. I mean, you've talked to us about the importance of um, you know agglomeration and how that impacts things like entrepreneurship, management, collaboration, ultimately growth. A lot of times, you even mentioned the major benefit, probably, which is the you know, the economies of scale and the, uh, the ability to to really um, have that benefit of having many people or many companies, small companies, working together towards that common goal. I'm curious to see, uh, to hear your thoughts on maybe the other side and playing devil's advocate here. Are there any disadvantages that people have, you know, have said in the past uh, about, you know, agglomeration? Are there any, you know, potential drawbacks that maybe doesn't get talked about enough? Yes, I mean, there's two things that, um, basically, the, the upside is is very compelling in terms of um you do get to go for bigger contracts and and specifically for the founder um they get liquidity they get liquidity in their stock so you know they if you've built this sort of five million ten million dollar business um and you want to sell five percent of it and buy a nice house well you can you can do that when you've got publicly traded stock um the, the two downsides that uh, people are always concerned about, the, the first is what happens if the, the stock price tanks. Um, and the second is um, what happens if one of the companies in the group fails. Um, it, by the way, it's never what happens if my company fails. It, it's always what happens if somebody else's company fails. Uh, um so, so the way that we address both of those is, um, for the first one, we expect companies in the group to, to fail. Like the, the reality of working with small businesses is that they are fundamentally, uh, risky. You know, typically your average small business, if they lose two key members of staff or two key clients, um, you know, that can be their worst year ever. Um, now, if there's three companies in the group and one of them falls over through bad luck or bad management, that's a real problem. Um, but if there's 30 companies in the group and one of them falls over, mm. it's not so much of a, much of a problem. Um, the other thing is, if you if you do have that bad year when you know suddenly you lose your biggest client uh, or a couple of key staff leave, well, you've now got 20 or 30 other entrepreneurs in the group that have a vested interest in getting you back on your feet and getting you successful again. Um, so, you know, the, those people might phone you up and say, hey, look, do you, do you need to share an office space until until you get back on your feet? Or, um, you know, if you want me to take off a couple of your senior staff and just second them to me for a few months to get them off your payroll, we're, we're happy to, to do that. Um, so it's a much more, again, it talks to that collaborative uh, ethos. Um, the, the share price one's a, a little bit harder, and we actually got um, uh, we we got attacked by um, uh, somebody that illegally dumped a, a load of shares on the stock market, and that was a um, a very big learning for us, and it drove the share price down, which put 
a lot of pressure on on the model um, and and it's more because it's more from a psychological point of view um, one of the huge differences there's a number of differences between being a, a small business uh, versus being a public company um, you know for for example in, in a small business no small business in the history of mankind has ever tried to uh, emphasize their profits because there's, there's no financial incentive to, to course, do that. Yeah. You, you get taxed heavily. Um, yet in a public company, everything is a multiple of profits. Mm. So um, suddenly you're finding profit left, right, and, and center. Um, you know, just start accounting for things in different ways so you can find that more profit. Um, but the other thing is, is in in small business, if you're an entrepreneur, um, uh, just like yourself, Taylor, like every decision you have made in, in the last two or three years since we've spoken is about how do you create more value for others? Right, um, right. And, and oftentimes, you know you're making a decision that may not pay back for months, if not years. Um, but you're happy to make that, that decision because entrepreneurship is all about creating value. Now, suddenly you get thrown into a world where people are making decisions about your stock, um, and somebody might buy or sell your stock 12 times in the day, um, and they care nothing about the, the underlying value of, of, of the asset. They're just they're, they're traders. They're, they're playing a, a completely different game. Um, and so that's a real... Uh, uh, shocker in in some ways in uh, for for a lot of the small business owners that, that come into this model because you, you know suddenly um, nothing has changed in your business but your net worth has just gone up twenty percent right and you're like what what, 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 what did I do is it because I'm wearing blue socks I will always wear blue socks from now on that's it I'm, I'm going to wear blue socks <laughs> um, and then and then like suddenly that your your wealth Disappears by twenty percent. It goes down by twenty percent. What? What? What did I do? What, like, <laughs> um, so, so it's it's a very uh, at, at least initially it can be quite a um, sort of a discombobulating a, a effect to be in there. Um, however, the 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 upsides really um, uh, outweigh the the downsides, and and the the sort of the the next element that we've just added to. The agglomeration is we've just launched a venture capital um, arm that sits off to the side that will actually invest cash into the businesses before they get agglomerated. So, so now for the small business, not only do they get all of the advantages of becoming a public listed company without any of the time or cost normally associated with that, um, but they can also sort of go into that experience with a war chest to, to help them grow as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the whole, the whole space around funding for small businesses has, has changed so much. I mean, things like crowdfunding and, and now you've got kind of ICOs and, and the agglomeration model. And um, so it, it's really, uh, you know, it, it's great to see so much sort of innovation happening in that space, which uh, because fun, fundamentally small businesses uh, are what's sort of driving driving the economy and and uh, driving jobs and, and everything else. So good yeah. good to see the entrepreneurs getting rewarded. 
Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And the you know advantages definitely outweigh the disadvantages. Can you? Uh, we're getting ready to close here because you've been so awesome with your time, and I know it's you've got a lot to do. But I, I'm curious, where can they find out more about your your venture capital though? Because you've got a lot of. I mean, you're just launching that, or have you launched that for months now? Yeah, no, no, this is all, all pretty recent. I just got okay. back from Hong Kong uh, last night, um, and we've just been raising some capital for that. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, look, um, our website is unity-group.com, um, but probably easiest just to reach out to me on on LinkedIn, um, and uh, it's Callum Callum Lang. Um, fairly fairly prevalent on on LinkedIn, yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd lo- love to hear from anyone that's either either interested in investing in in that small business space or as a small business themselves and and looking for ways to to scale. So yeah, yeah, yeah. all good. We'll definitely put that in the show notes. Well, but you've also you know the thing about Callum is that he's also a prolific writer, <laughs> and. So you, you've got some some of your books that you can offer a complimentary yeah. Kindle uh, copy abs- or so. Absolutely. So um, yeah, for anyone that uh, reaches out to me, and I th- so what, what I'll, I'll give you a specific email address and for the show notes. Um, but any of your listeners that re- reach out to me on that email address, uh, I'll give them a free copy of both of my books. Um, so the first one is called Progressive Partnerships, um, which is really sort of how small businesses can scale through partnerships. Uh, and then the second one is a glomerate idea to IPO in 12 months, which is really taking the philosophies of partnership and just taking it up, uh, expanding it one, one more level. Um, but both, both of them have uh, been, been bestsellers and very well received. So uh, mm. hopefully that'll be mm. good for them. You're the man, man. You're the man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. But, you know, <laughs> Last time you were here, I asked you this question. I'm going to ask you again. Actually, I don't remember if I asked you this question. But the mission statement of my podcast is use your difference to make a difference. And so I like to ask all my guests this question. How do you use your difference to make a difference? That's a great question. Um, So I think right now um, my difference is I'm straddling two worlds. Uh, So I've sort of spent the last... 20 plus years in the world of small business and entrepreneurship. Um, the last two to three, or probably the last five years really, um, I've been much more involved in, in the financing of, of businesses. So, um, you know, I'm interviewing entrepreneurs on one side, I'm interviewing investors on the other side. So, um, my, my kind of point of difference is, is I think straddling those two worlds and hopefully I can provide, uh, a little bit of, uh, of connection between all of the finance and all of where the value gets created. And, and hopefully we can start to align those two things a bit better. That's a beautiful thing, sir. And we'll, I'll definitely make sure I put a link to your previous episode in the show notes as well, because you I believe you have yeah. a lot of tremendous value. Cool. That, would, that would give you, I mean, this man travels a lot, <laughs> but that would give you a background as to how he sort of navigated his career into that. But today's, Today's episode was really another great education for me and for everyone that's going to be listening to this. And the, you know, the idea of adopting agglomeration into your business model, what it is, how it really can actually, um, advance what, what you're doing right now. So I, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. Are you in Singapore right now? I know you just left Hong Kong. Yeah. Okay. So Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in Singapore right now, sunny Singapore. So well, thank you, sir. And, and, uh, can, 
see see you again in three years' time. Ah, no, let's make it sooner. Let's make it sooner. <laughs> I feel like I feel like our paths are colliding um, at a, at a much rapid rate than the, than the last time, and I particularly love good what stuff. you're doing. So be good. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, till next time, ladies and gentlemen. Use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season i love the change of seasons but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather kleenex ultra soft tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin for this allergy season grab kleenex and face allergies head on